welcome to episode 20 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I am Monica. And I'm Kelly. Today is Monday, July 29th, 2019. Thank you to all of our listeners, old and new. We hope this podcast will continue to be something you put on repeat. And if this is not your first time listening, you may have noticed something a little different. Courtney is still in Italy with her family, having a fabulous time. And she says buongiorno to everyone. So today, instead, we have my dear friend, Kelly. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm kind of excited about this. Excellent. And who are you? I am a friend of yours, and we met... Gosh, where did we met? We met in the baby group. Yep. When our littles were... Our bigs. Our bigs were little, is what yes. I was trying to say there. And so I also have a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old, and the littles go to the same school. Well, they're not little anymore. We both have very tall children. Yes. <laughs> I'm a teacher in the area, and I craft a little bit, sort of. I'm a big reader, and I cook when I can. <laughs> As we all do. Um, okay, so we're going to have all our usual segments. We'll have on the needles, on the easel, on the table, on the nightstand. And then we will also have on the road because Kelly and I have both been traveling. So actually on the table will be sort of smaller, but you'll get lots of on the road goodness. Um, and then we'll uh, do a bingo review, see see how things are going there. So we'll start off with on the needles, and that is me. Unless you've been knitting. I have, I no, and I'm just going to say right out front, I knew that I could never be a knitter because I would just become a collector of yarn. Well, that's not a bad thing. (laughs) It would be lovely, but it's a little bigger (laughs) than beads, which I tend to collect. Uh, That's good too. (laughs) So I finished my four-day sweater, the Foxtrot Cardigan by Marie Green, in 33 hours over 10 days. So I feel like that's a win. Sounds good. more or less four days. Your your knitting is always incredible. Well, and the thing is, this pattern is totally set up to have you be able to knit it quickly. It's a cardigan. It's worsted weight yarn. It's a really simple pattern. Yeah, it has a nice lace design on the around the body, but the top and the sleeves are all just straight knitting. And then if you focus, you can generally do a lot more than you think you can. I'm generally kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever, I'll knit. What but color this is, is this one, did you say? This, I did not. The yarn is Madeline Tosh Farm Twist, and the colorway is Tarte. Oh yes, that is so perfectly tart. I love. I think and being a color namer would be a great job. Yeah, and it is an amazing, really dark red. It's really, really pretty. It's like a cherry tart. Yeah, that's what I thought of when you said tart, and I saw it. Yeah, oh, that's so cute. So it's really comfy. I finished it the day. No, it must be two days before we left for our cruise, like that night. So I blocked it the next day, and we were having tons of fog, so it would not dry. So I ended up throwing it in the dryer, and it, it is super wash, um, so it did not felt. It was still a little bit damp when I put it on, but I was determined to take it on the cruise. <laughs> and it was really good for just throwing on over a t-shirt. Got a lot of you said it on the cruise, so I was glad that I brought it. So besides the four-day knit-along, also will be an entry into the Yarniacs Colors of Fall knit-along, which is another one that I do. They are the Yarniacs podcast, um, and they, during summer... From the summer equinox to the fall mm-hmm. solstice. Mm-hmm. Um, summer solstice. Other solstice. way. Oh yeah, fall will be even. So summer solstice, solstice. fall mm-hmm. equinox. Yeah, you can knit anything, and you have, but it has to include one of the colors from the Pantone fall palette for either New York or London. You get to choose. So I think this one was Viking red, and the fun thing they make you do is 
besides knitting the object, you have to style it as you would wear it in the fall. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pose yourself in it because, you know, if it's summer and 100 degrees, you might not want to put your cardigan on, <laughs> but you need to lay, you know, lay an outfit out on the bed kind of thing. So that's that's a fun little thing they do. One of the things I'm most excited about being back from my trip is to actually put on jeans and a sweater because we yeah. live in lovely San Francisco. Yeah, <laughs> and it has been foggy. It is a cool and foggy day. Yeah. So, all year round. Although apparently it was a heat wave elsewhere in the Bay Area, and we read that in the paper, and we're like, mm, no. Yeah, it was 107 in Paso Robles the other day, Ugh. so I'm glad to be back. Yeah. Um, so I finished that, and then I also finished my cowl for my trip. That was part of my cowl set. I made one for my mom, and one for my sister, and one for me. Um, and this one I actually finished on the cruise. And the pattern I used is Michelle by Sarah Penderson. And it's actually a hat pattern, and I'd made this hat, and I liked it, and it was in DK weight yarn, so I figured I could just do it and not put a top on it, and that worked really well. And the yarn was uh, Desert Vista Dye Works DK, and the colorway is Ketchikan, which is one of the towns that we visited in Alaska. So it has stripes of red and gray and yellow and light blue, mint green, that's the word I'm looking for. That's mint green. Yeah. So that was fun. I posted a picture of the three of us wearing our cowls on Instagram. I was going to say, I think I saw that before. Yeah, <laughs> you did. So that was And fun. everyone got the same. Actually, I did different patterns for all of them. But, I mean, it's a cowl that gets all squished up, so you right. can't really, really tell. But it's all the same dyer and same weight of yarn. So they okay. and the same. They're all stripes. And then my mom also wore her hat that I knit her that kind of matched her cowl. And my dad wore his knit hat. And then when I was actually in Ketchikan, it was actually a sunny day and upper 60s, low 70s. So I did not get to wear my Ketchikan cowl in Ketchikan because <laughs> it was too hot. Oh, what a shame. But I did get to wear it on the cruise. <laughs> on the cruise, I took my flax light sweater, which is the rainbow one, made a lot of progress. So the body is done and I'm about three quarters of the way through the first sleeve. I continue to focus. I will have a new sweater soon. We'll see. We've got kind of a busy week. I didn't take Simon socks because I had done work on them before. I didn't think I would have enough knitting on them to keep me occupied. I didn't want to run out partway. So I didn't take those, but I have made a lot of progress. I'm super close to finishing those. So eventually you'll stop hearing about them, hopefully. (laughs) And then, but I did bring along some new yarn. Actually, it's old yarn from my stash from White Birch Fiber Arts. In the colorway Nasty Woman. Ooh. It's pink, neon pink, and olive green stripes. Ooh. Two favorites. So it is it is pretty, pretty incredible colorway. And the pattern I u- I'm using for it is Hermione's Everyday Socks by Erica Luder, which I had not made before. It's a super popular pattern on Ravelry. But I thought it was fun to have Hermione and a Nasty Woman colorway. And <laughs> kind I like of, that. I like doing that. So Good theme. So that was good. So I got a good bit of that done as we were traveling around. I think that is all my knitting, but I'm getting close to finishing a bunch of things, which is always exciting. Then you get to think about what you're going to do next. And that is it for me. So we'll move to On the Easel, which is you. So I've never been on the easel. (laughs) (laughs) However, I find myself in the garden. So we're going to tweak this just a little bit my way and talk about um, the garden and what I do with what grows in my garden, I guess. I just have a really small planter box, and because we live somewhere foggy and up on the hill, we don't get a lot of sun. So what grows best in my garden are greens. So I've got a lot of lettuce and chard and carrots, which are 
not greens, but I get a lot of, I get good carrots. But I think that everything in my yard takes probably three times as long as anybody else's sunny garden might grow. So that's kind of what's growing edible wise. Otherwise, we have tried to make a low water garden because we've had drought for so many years. And so we have lots of succulents. And one of the things I like to do with my succulents are make little pots and my girl, well, lots of my girlfriends, but not Monica this year, are turning 50 this year. So I am trying to make some beautiful succulent pots for them. And so I went searching and I like to find my stuff at a discount. So I, there's a great Goodwill by our house. And I walked in and they had exactly what I wanted, which was just like a nine inch diameter glass vase that just goes straight up. And it was perfect because you can see all the layers of the rocks oh. and then the soil. And then I put sand after you plant the succulents, you can put sand on top and um, it looks really cool. So I found the exact thing I wanted for $1.50, which is perfect. my favorite. And I made her this beautiful big planter, which actually traveled to Morro Bay with me. And it still looks oh, good when I got there. Wow. <laughs> I've done it before where I've made little pots. And by the time I get to Santa Cruz or whatever destination I'm gifting it for, it's completely not made it. So I was, I packed this in towels in a crate with newspaper to absorb the shock of the car hitting a bump and, and it made it the whole way. Nice. So well done. Yeah, I think I've seen, you've made those I before. I think I've given you a tiny a little one. one. Yeah, yeah a little one. Beautiful. And they don't last forever, the little ones. We'll see how long the big one. This is the biggest yeah. one I've ever made. That's, that's an indoor, an indoor potted gift. And the nice thing with succulents is that a lot of them reproduce themselves. So in my budget gifting, I can just slice one <laughs> off in the front yard and then repack it and they grow really well just by placing them in soil. Nice. And another, uh, I was thinking there's a, um, a fun thing to do with them is to put a little creature or a little something in there. I use a lot of shells and rocks. I was reading, there's a new crafting place in the city called Workshop. Oh, okay. You know, it's like drinking and crafting. Oh, and you yes. can make Oh, and we haven't been there yet. Though. Right, we haven't been yeah. there yet, but we've been talking we about it for it. over a year. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the lady keeps posting her succulent planters with the figurines from Stranger Things, and she's making little, like, dioramas. <laughs> and I found this, I found um, I found Mike in my garden from a Stranger Things birthday party my kid <laughs> had, and his little figurines, so I have him right outside my door garden, just in case Perfect. anything bad is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> So it's kind of fun to make them funny. I think my sister-in-law was doing zombie ones for a while. Excellent. So that's kind of fun. Plants versus zombies. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> and then I actually have a little bit of On the Easel. We went to, my family and I went yesterday to the Legion of Honor Museum here in the city, and they're having an early Rubens exhibit. It was really cool. He's a Dutch painter, and this focuses on his work from 1608 until about 1620. He's known, I think, for like sort of large, voluptuous yeah. women. I can the picture it. The Rubenesque, right. Rubenesque woman. So they had some of those. They also had a lot of portraits that were amazing. They had a couple of sets of where they'd have the sketch and then they'd have the painting that it turned into, but they'd also have the etching uh -huh. that someone else made of it to sort of popularize his work. Uh huh. Um, and some really huge painting sized etchings, which oh, wow. was crazy. But the thing that I found really interesting, he did a lot of his portraits, the sitters were wearing black, and Courtney had been talking about her chromatic series, mm -hmm. um, and she was working on black, I think, the last time we recorded. And so seeing what he had done with it was amazing, because you could tell the fabrics were different fabrics. Some of them were velvet or... Brocade? Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. But all black. 
Uh -huh. And then the white lace. Um, so just the depth of colors. I feel like that. his paintings are dark. Is that right? Yes. Like he has some, not just the clothing is black, but like the backgrounds are yeah. not well lit. But Yes. Okay. And a lot of stylistically very <laughs> dark themes as well. Right. Oh, I'd like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was good. And it was a small exhibit. It's a, not a huge museum. But so that was, that was cool. And the, the boys were very nice about going. It was not their first choice <laughs> how to spend an afternoon. But they, they agreed it was a worthwhile experience. And then we all went out for pizza after, so right. they have had something to do with. <laughs> if you come with me with here, the, you can have pizza will, later. We will go eat. Okay, so then on the table, what have you been cooking? So I've been on a road trip for two weeks, and I can't say I've cooked anything. However, we did take a couple fun picnics to the beach and made tuna and crackers and cheese in our hotel room and then just left it off to the beach, which oh, is nice. always kind of fun. Or I, and I kept Plus, saying, it's a bingo square. <laughs> I, it is, and I marked it off. Yeah. It's so easy to go out to eat for every meal when you're on a road trip, so we tried to have an ice chest with us at all times and kind of keep food with us. But um, this summer, I started the summer out with my birthday, and my husband took myself and some friends to Foreign Cinema, which I had eaten at before for a friend's party in a it wasn't like a sit-down meal, so I didn't I didn't really know anything about foreign cinema. It's a restaurant in the city, and um, it's been around for a while. It's been around for a really long time, yeah. and I think and they show movies on them. They so if you sit outside, there's heat lamps, and they show a movie on the wall. And I swear, every time I've been there, it's been Good Morning Vietnam, which oh. is <laughs> really random. Interesting choice. Anyways, we all ordered different things. I didn't know anything about what to order, but my friend's husband ordered the chicken. And when the chicken came, we all ate the chicken. I mean, I have to say, when we ordered, we ordered a ton of stuff. Lots of appetizers, lots of drinks, lots of desserts. We all got a main course, but everybody wanted the chicken, and we didn't stop talking about the chicken. So they have this recipe. Uh, my friend, who was there with us, they bought me the cookbook on the way out, which was really cool. So it's a madras curry fried chicken with kishmish and ras el hanout honey. Wow. That picture is amazing. And it is the most amazing thing I have ever eaten. I mean, we all just had a bite or two because it wasn't our entree. I felt bad <laughs> for him because he wanted to share it with everybody and he hardly got any of it. Oh. So I made it. I made it I made it with everything but the kishmish, which is a what it's that? a relish. Oh, okay. So and it was just too much. I didn't have all the stuff. I didn't want to buy all the stuff. So I I made the chicken thinking it would be so good without that and, and it was delicious. It really needs that to be what it was okay. at the restaurant. And one of the things that they say in the so there's a recipe for a recipe for kishmish in the back, and it's like cloves and cardamom and raisins and sugar and lime, and you cook that all down and make a relish mm. with it. And it just takes like what they say is that it just takes the chicken to the next level, and it really does. It's out of this world. And we went back for our anniversary, and it was the night they weren't serving the chicken. Oh, no. <laughs> so sad. I ordered, like, regular old chicken, and it just was kind of a disappointment. So we'll have to go back. So if you go, call and make sure it's If you go, night. you can call and make sure that they're serving the chicken. Absolutely. Is it only one night a week? That's what or... I asked, and she said, no, it's kind of when they feel like making oh. the chicken. I think they know in advance. You want to eat this chicken. If it's on the menu, then get it. Then definitely order it. But I have to say, I don't know if it was... The process or the cut of meat, or I don't know why it was so good, but it was the best coating on a fried chicken that I've ever had. I think you can find it online. If not, it's a great cookbook. There's a bunch of stuff in it that I'd like to try. It so looks beautiful. I'll be back to that. Yeah. Well, if you want to let us know where your favorite chicken is found, or maybe it's your own, maybe you do the best fried chicken, let us know on the Instagram 
host for this episode. Yeah, I think for my family too, fried chicken and summer chicken recipes, pulled barbecue chicken, pickles, and some sort of tart sweet and sour side dish is like our favorite. The other thing I wanted to talk about was in the um, your cookbook that you recommended to me, which my husband bought for me, Smitten Kitchen Every Day, uh, which yeah. I hadn't touched because it wasn't the cookbook I had asked for. <laughs> <laughs> and then you guys started talking about it. I'm like, oh, I have that. Um, there's a corn succotash. Oh. It was fantastic, and my kids could not get enough of it. Oh. It was so good. It was really good, and I think yeah. I switched something that it had in it that I didn't add because I didn't have it. Maybe it was some jalapeno, but it's charred corn, and you make crispy shallots, and it was so good and fresh and light with summer corn, and I think it would be good if you didn't have summer corn and had to use frozen corn, too. It was really good. All the flavors you add into it are delicious, so that made a good combination with like a summer chicken dish. I wouldn't yeah. serve it with the foreign cinema chicken because there's too much, too much of the other flavors going on with a fried chicken more, or the more pulled, simple. yeah, the pulled barbecue chicken. Oh, I think is yeah. what we had it with. On we made little sliders. There was one other recipe that I think I'll talk about. Okay. I'd never made a romesco sauce before, and also in the Smitten Kitchen every day is this chickpea romesco and egg bowl. I think I've made that one. I doubled up on the romesco because we never have enough sauce for my husband, who's like a sauce guy. And he always just throws homemade Italian dressing on everything that we make, his special sauce. So I made extra. I think that was the one that I made, and I remember thinking it wasn't enough of... It wasn't anything. enough. Of, it yeah. wasn't enough. So I added rice. Oh, okay, yeah. Just to have a little bit more. I can never yeah. find Because most of her recipes are very, very generous, and that one threw me. Right. As I was making it, I was like, this just doesn't seem like enough and it's delicious so you want to keep eating it but it's not yeah it was really really good and um my kids are sort of wavering with meat so it was nice to have something that had good protein with the beans and the egg but a lot of flavor and then it had the greens in it and they'll eat the greens when they're mixed in like that and i gotta say putting a soft boiled egg on top of anything just makes it better it does it's very true she i i never really knew how long to do an egg and i Stuck with exactly what she said for my egg, and they're the most perfect eggs. I I know it's not that hard to figure out. They're perfect eggs, so I recommend that one. And make extra. I think I doubled the romesco, so we had it for a week, and my husband and my older daughter put it on everything they ate for the whole week. It was really good. Then that's the best way to do something is to have that cook it once, and then you just have it for... Totally. And that's something that I'm kind of learning from you guys as you guys talk about what you're doing for food. I feel like I... I'm always living to be more organized instead of living organized. <laughs> so when I do do it, it always comes across as like the best plan. I'm just so bad at it. I'm a last minute do it on the fly kind of gal. So it seems to work pretty well for you. <laughs> when you I do about it, what you're cooking. when I do it, it works yeah. really well. And what I like too is I'm starting to like write notes and put stickies in all my cookbooks yeah. um, when the whole family likes something because they're all very unique in there tastes and desires yeah maybe not as much as you guys <laughs> yeah and that one's good because if you do have meat eaters you can always throw in a sausage or my, chicken or yeah, yeah anything yeah, yeah i'm all about the, oh please it's throw already sausage or if you have someone who doesn't like eggs then they don't get the egg or right this one is already very deconstructed right and you can kind of and i like how you can it. kind of slide things in too and they just taste good with the egg yolk yeah. on top and the romesco and the sauce, romesco sauce yeah. on top that's really what it's all about yeah so I've been very veggie heavy yeah, because what... um, <laughs> 10 days of cruise eating, which I will 
talk about more later. Yeah, lots of steak. So I've been cooking all the vegetables, which has been really nice, kind of I mean, it's detoxing. Yeah, everything's good. Yeah, and perfect right now. This is true. Ship got back really early, like seven in the morning, which was fun because you got to see the sunrise over the Golden Gate Bridge. So that was lovely. Okay. But well, I couldn't. There was really no excuse for not getting myself to the grocery store. And <laughs> I haven't been making since dinner. We've been back. <laughs> I have to go today. <laughs> we had nothing in the house. Absolutely nothing. So I ended up. What did I get? Oh, I got a rotisserie chicken and I think some spinach and rice noodles. Oh, no, I didn't do spinach that night. I did um, edamame and snap peas. Mm, I want the snap peas. Maybe there was spinach in there. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, and I made a peanut sauce um, and just kind of, you know, people combined their bowls and dumped it all on there and it was delicious. And the peanut sauce was from Vegetarian Cooking for Everyone by the lady who did greens mm -hmm. at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. for I have many of those years. cookbooks. Yeah all really good um, and I've been trying to get back into that one and it occurred to me that as my husband's a vegetarian that might be a good cookbook to look into um, does that one have less ingredients I find like all the greens things are very they're delicious but complicated um, for a weeknight to kind of throw together maybe. some of them are definitely complicated where you or it looks like it's five ingredients but three of those are other actual recipes right, right. kind of thing um, I did do a cauliflower gratin before we left mm -hmm. that was really pretty simple. I think cauliflower and tomatoes and feta on top. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that um, good. And that was really good. And that was a nice entree for my husband. And I think I had chicken or sausage or something for the boys. I had a little bit. I'm definitely trying to cut back. So that was good. And I'll need to go back into that one. I've got menu planning on the schedule today. So mm -hmm. I'll look at that again. I'll go there myself. But the peanut sauce is really good. And that was simple. I've used that before. And then I did a bunch of menus from Dinner A Love Story. She's gotten into doing kind of a weekday vegetarian, so I've been pulling out some of hers. Actually, I'm lying. One of the first one I'm thinking of is a salmon salad, but... <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. It has salmon, and it's, again, it's kind of like the chickpea, where it's mm -hmm. very deconstructed, and you can customize it however you want, but mm -hmm. it's got new potatoes and green beans and corn, and you make a vinaigrette. And I think, so I think the boys had it and I had it with the salmon and I threw black beans in there for my husband. Otherwise it's all vegetables. You just kind of steam everything up and, and then whatever vinaigrette you like. My <laughs> husband, one thing he can cook is, well, he can make a really good vinaigrette. Yeah, so that that's is key. kind of his special sauce on everything, but it tastes good when you need a really good one. Yeah. And he won't tell us how he makes it. Oh. It's a secret. Interesting. Maybe he'll pass it down it to his girls. special sauce. <laughs> and then we had kale and mushroom tacos, which... <gasps> were really good. So the kale, this is again a dinner love story from her blog. So that one is online and will be in the show notes. Mushrooms are with shallots, the kale is with the garlic. Mix them together with red wine vinegar. Ooh. And we served it with radishes and avocado slices and yogurt, lime juice, cilantro mm, kind yum. of sauce. That sounds good. And then I had leftover chicken from the rotisserie chicken. So the boys threw some of that in there. And I had meant to make rice on the side but totally forgot because it was only my second day back <laughs> i was not quite back in my i group. kind of always forget the rice on the side yes <laughs> it's like oh wait <laughs> i meant to start that at the beginning it takes the longest yes so that didn't happen so we went with grapes and that worked oh nice because <laughs> you had them totally different i had bought them they were there figured more vegetables more fruits we're gonna be good i had doubled all of the kale and mushroom from what it had called for because I had made these before and I was a little bit like mm, it's not quite enough I mean it was like just enough 
but I wanted to be generous. And then we had some leftovers and everybody had plenty. So that was good. And that was easy. That sounds good. I think my kids have requested going back to Taco Tuesday, which we did for a long time. And when they weren't eating meat, so we did a lot of tofu and we did a lot of potato tacos, just mixing oh, them with I like that. some spice and, and that was really good. And just okay. kind of cut them, I would cut them like fries. Oh, interesting. And um, okay. do it that way. And I think that's all the cooking for now. So on the nightstand, what have you been reading? So, you know, it's kind of funny going back and looking at the things that I've read. I'm not a nonfiction reader usually and I've read all but one nonfiction book this summer. Oh wow. I'm really into biographies and just learning about people's lives. And I found that everything I read was really inspirational and most of them were women. I kind of it's told well, I mean it's a story. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think that's why I like the biography. It has it's true, but it's a great story. So I think the book that made the biggest impact on me was a book called A Different Kind of Daughter. And I think that I got this at a thrift shop in Ben Lomond two years ago. I think at the beginning of the summer, I took a picture of all the random books I have on my nightstand, mm-hmm. which is a lot. This was one of them, and I'm just kind of going through this huge pile of books that are from wherever that looked interesting while I was at a thrift shop or the Goodwill or whatever. It's kind of where I like to get my books. Since everybody's reading Kindles now, no one is passing me books. Oh, So yeah. I'm getting them from people I don't know. <laughs> that works, too. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, it's a story about a woman named Maria Torpaki. I don't know if that's how you say her name. She is um, a daughter of a Taliban, Taliban royalty, and her father was actually kicked out. They had to move around a lot. He had very liberal ideas and was very pro his children and his family and what was right for each person. And his daughter did not want to grow up as a girl because she couldn't play sports and she wanted to be involved in sports. And so he let her dress as a boy and grow up and put his whole family in danger because if anybody had ever found that out, they would probably not be here. And um, it was just this really inspiring story of a family and a girl who didn't give up and she ends up getting a scholarship to play sports in the United States. And at the point where people have kind of figured out who she is and what's been going on, she has to leave the country and she finds a place here. And and it's just a really inspiring story. And I love reading about the Middle East and what life is like. And it's so different from our lives here. And Wow, yeah, that sounds a great A great book. I'm a big audio book listener as well. So one of the books I picked up at the beginning of the summer to listen to was a book called Jimmy Neuroses, who turns out is about a man named James Osland, who was the editor of Savoir and a cookbook writer and has been a judge on Top Chef. So I didn't know it was going to turn out to be about food and about things. Well, this wasn't really about food, but he's a food guy. So now I think I'll go and learn more about him. But um, he grew up in Santa Clara. Him and his mom, his dad just left one day and his sister moved to go to college. It's his growing up from like age 10 to college and just his life and what it was like to be him. And he didn't really fit in, figured out he was gay, started taking the train from Santa Clara to San Francisco and all the things that happened in his life. And I've been to those places and I've walked the streets there. And so I knew where he was and I moved here when I was 18. And it was just such a great place to kind of figure out who you are. His story was also a great story. My Daughter is a Rower. So another book that I read, I read Boys in the Boat last summer. 
And this summer I read something called The Red Rose Crew, which I had just bought. And then someone said, oh, you have to read this great book. And she sent me the same book, Red Rose Crew. And it's a story about the women rowers in 1975. It's the first women's U.S. rowing team. And it's written by Daniel J. Boyne. It's just about this group of women and who they were and how they came to rowing and the struggles that they went through as women because a lot of the boathouses were not open to having women. And in fact, Yale has some pretty nasty stories about the things they sent them off to do. They weren't allowed to shower in the boathouse and they'd get sick because you'd come in from a winter row mm. or a, you know, a cold, wet, rainy row because you row in all weather except for lighting. Just stuff they had to get through and, and how, how they fared in the international rowing competition, like where they thought they would come in and how they actually placed. So it was a really inspiring book as well. And it's been fun kind of learning about rowing because I really knew nothing about it. And all of a sudden I have a rower. And if you're in the rowing community, you are in because it's pretty heavy duty. And I read a couple other books, one called Leopard at the Door by Jennifer McVeigh, which was a fun, kind of an easy read. Not fun in the sense that it was set in colonial Africa, but just kind of a fun, easy, you know, an easy read. But interesting story about a girl who moves back to Africa after her Mother has died. Her father sent her away. She comes back. She's ready to be there, but all the colonialism at the time in that place was falling apart. And she's there's kind of a forbidden love story that goes on. It's a good story. And then, as I turned 50 this year, I found a book called I Feel Bad About My Neck and Other Thoughts About Being <laughs> a Woman. It spoke to me by Nora Ephron. And that was just a fun book of short essays about being a woman. You were talking about that. And it made me laugh. At your book. Right, that's yeah. right. That's right. And it was kind of hilarious. Yeah. And it is. It's just some funny stories. It's nice It's nice to know when everything starts to change that you're not alone. Yep. So that was the book for that for me this year. And then the last thing, was, which I just finished, which is about food, also on the bingo board. Very good. It's called Lunch in Paris, A Love Story with hmm. Recipes. And it's about an American woman who meets a French guy, and they fall in love, and it's their story. And at the end of each chapter are some recipes that kind of go with that chapter. Nice. And um, I was going to try one, but they turned my gas off, so I was not able to cook. Oh. And I was too tired yesterday to do any cooking as I was unpacking and doing 10 loads of laundry. So is it fiction? This is, recipes or no, this, based on? This is a real story. Oh, okay. I believe she has a blog. I know she has an Instagram page. Um, sorry, her name is Elizabeth Bard. She was kind of also at that crossroads where I'm a writer, oh, I meet this guy, oh, I'm moving to Paris, so oh, everything is kind of different than I thought it would be, and she's learning the language and learning how to be an American in France. It's her story of kind of finding herself in this new place and how cooking kind of helped fit in and how she kind of found herself and then and then what she's become after after she has this new life and things didn't go as she was thinking they would go. They never do. They never do. It's a really good life lesson. <laughs> Be flexible. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, that was a really fun beach read. Oh, cool. So I read that on my road trip. And that's it? I think that's it for that's... me. There's a couple other things, but I'm not going there now. That's too much. Yeah. No, I have plenty. <laughs> that's the great thing about being a teacher in the summer. I just go nuts and read yeah. whatever I want from my random stack of Goodwill books. That is And fun. I did bring two more home, so I'm excited to oh, try good. those out. Excellent. Yeah, I got a good bit of reading done, and some of them took me longer than I thought they were going to, but it's been almost three weeks now for the recording sessions. Anyway, so I have lots. So I finished both of the books that I was working on last time. First one was Big Sky by Kate Atkinson. That's her most recent book. Um, it's a Brody Jackson book. 
He's a detective in a seaside town on the east coast of northern England. Lots of shenanigans, mysteries, dead people, town <laughs> secrets. The town secret involves uh, child sex slavering, so it's not anything explicit, but they definitely talk about it. So if that is an issue, a serious issue for you, obviously no one likes that. Be warned. It's not my favorite of her books, but it's kind of classic, um, great characters, all sorts of twists and turns and different strands, and you can't tell how things are going to meet up or if they are going to, and Jackson Brody is just a great, great character. Um, and then City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert, who's the Eat, Eat Pray, Love mm-hmm. lady. Mm-hmm. This one was weird. <laughs> so it got, like, everyone was super excited because right. Eat Pray, Love. loved that. So this is a woman, I think she's in her 80s. She lives in New York, and she's looking back on when she first moved to New York right at the beginning of World War II. She's just flunked out of college, comes from a very wealthy family, and she's moving in with her aunt who owns theater in the theater district. And it's before Broadway is really, really Broadway. So it's a little sketchier. So it's kind of a coming of age, a woman becoming a woman. So parts of it, I was like, "Mm, okay, it's sort of fun. It's a very light book. And she just tells her story all up through the present day. So it's interesting when you get all this, you know, very atmospheric, old New York, the theater life, all sorts of things happen. So. It was fun. If you like Elizabeth Gilbert, then you'll probably like it. But it's not anything super heavy or serious. And then, since then, I've kind of gone on this romance and fantasy binge. So, <laughs> for this week and the next episode, if that's not your thing, you might want to skip ahead because <laughs> I don't know what happened. I have one classic in there, but I'm not sure what happened to my reading queue, but all of my library books came in. It was like either trashy romance or super fantasy book lots of magic going on so but you always have the best recommendations for the well romance. i think you're all great okay so i mean this is because <laughs> i don't ever pick up a romance. Level romance i mean this is this is you know paperback which is a fabulous genre and i just started a new podcast about like the writing of romance novels and why they're serious <laughs> and important and i think it's totally true and they're they are apparently the biggest selling genre of any genre in the book industry there are always plenty at the goodwill yes might i say so they're great they're super fun it's summer i love it you know you know it's gonna have a happy ending and sometimes that's just, that's what, just you what you need, need. yes here, here. so the first one is the duke and i by julia quinn and there's a duke and a girl and i don't know they fall in love it was lovely do you get good historical background for the era that you're reading about? Yeah, or is that this is not like really 1800s. This one, this is not, not historical this is fiction. Not, this is not Outlander. No. This is... Best um, recommendation ever. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. This is not that. This is much lighter. He doesn't want to be a dupe. And she's very nice. She has... She's one of nine siblings. So I think she's going to write books about all the siblings. <laughs> she's written a bunch of them. She's lovely. She's the oldest daughter. And she's supposed to get married, but she doesn't like anybody she's meeting. And she meets this guy, and he doesn't really want to be the Duke. So they decide that they're going to pretend to be engaged so that she doesn't have to. So then she'll be both more interesting, and other people will come see her. And then maybe she can find a guy that she'll like. And then he won't have to deal with all the mamas coming to try and make their daughters interested in him. Mm -hmm. Of course, they fall in love and, you know, shenanigans ensue and it all. All works out at the end, and it's very lovely. Just a little romp. (laughs) I used to work in a bookstore, and the woman who managed our bookstore would always find 
a romance that had your name in it and give you the front page, like the first page with just a little snippet. So somewhere in my things, I have a hot and heavy Kelly page (laughs) from some book somewhere that had my name. After that, I read She Would Be King by Wayatu Moore, and she is Liberian, raised here. This one is a magical, realistic retelling of the founding of Liberia. Oh. So there's three main characters, and one is born in Africa, um, and she is born at an inauspicious time, so her village thinks she's cursed, and so she has a very hard childhood and is eventually thrown out of the village, and she cannot die. And then there is a boy born in Haiti, I think, and it's right at the time where um, former enslaved people moving back to Africa or being sent back combination. Mm -hmm founding a settlement there Um, and he so he ends up back there okay and he can become invisible there's another i won't even get into how he was born because it's really weird (laughs) and magical um but he grows up on a plantation but escapes because he's super strong and ends up they all end up sort of connecting and there's also the wind who's a character is it too much magical no 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 it's okay it sounds great. Yeah, so it's mostly normal, except then they'll use their power. It's like a superpower kind of thing. They're using their Jessica powers. Jones been watching all summer. Oh, <laughs> or not all summer. Good stuff. Yes. Um, yeah, so kind of like that, where they're normal people, except right. that they have powers. Right, right, but they don't happen all the time. No, it it's not shows constant. Up. Okay. Yeah, it's like, oh, here's some people illegally trying to take these villages, villagers and kidnap them and send them to America. We'll help out here. Okay. And then also, it, it does, and it also does go into, I guess, since I know nothing about it, the founding of yeah, I was Liberia? just yeah, yeah, I was just talking Zero. about this, yeah. which is, it's rather interesting. So, so the historical part made me want to read more about it. The magical realism just made it a really good story. Characters are interesting. There's a lot of personal struggles between the characters and the people they know. So, yeah, this was a fabulous book. And I think this was recommended by Ann Bogle of the What Do You Want to Read Next podcast. And I think the author has been compared to the lady who wrote Americana, uh-huh. kind of in terms of uh-huh. being an amazing writer. And she doesn't get as much notice. So, okay. yeah, this was a really good book. Oh, I think that might get on the nightstand. Yeah. I read The Tenant of Wildfell Hall by Ann Bronte. So, classic. 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 Check. Something before <laughs> I was born. I had listened to uh, all the rabbit holes podcast of by the History Chicks on officially about Charlotte Bronte, but all the sisters because they grew up so close together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had never read this one. I've read Wuthering Heights. I've read Jane Eyre. And this one never really gets talked about. So I thought I would read it. And it's very similar to the two. It's a romance. It's very gothic. Lots of dark secrets. It starts off, it's an older man writing a letter to his brother-in-law about when he was in his 20s living at home, and a mysterious woman and her child move into Wildfeld Hall. So the neighborhood is all agog. He tells about how he met her, and then it switches eventually over to her journals, and then it goes back to his letter. So you learn both of their stories and how they interconnect. And it was very scandalous when it came out because of her story, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. It was a cool writing style because it had the letters at the beginning and then in the journal. And so it's never a direct story. It's always sort of the people's personal voice. Right. And at the beginning, he is such a jerk. <laughs> and you can tell he doesn't know it. He's such an annoying guy. And it fully comes through in the writing, but he doesn't realize that he's just a pompous 
so-and-so. So that was kind of fun as well. So not my favorite of the Bronte books, but definitely worth a read, I think. I read The Raven Boys by Maggie Stiefwalker. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that. It is the first of many. I think she's up to five. Um, young adult. Mm-hmm. They're not too whiny, so I was able to get through it. <laughs> Nobody felt like a super original character. Mm-hmm. The storyline is kind of interesting. So there's the girl who's kind of the main character, or one of them. Her family, all only women in her family, they're all psychics, but she isn't. But she can amplify their energy. Since she's been born, everyone has always predicted that she will kill her true love by kissing him. Or if she kisses her true love, then he'll die. Okay. Something like that. So she's like, all right, whatever. Boys are off the table. (laughs) Not a big deal. And then she sees a vision of a boy. You know, she's never seen anything before. So that means either that she is going to kill him or she loves him. She's like, well, that's not good. Because that means if she saw him, it meant he's supposed to die the next year. They live in a small town in Virginia, and there is a very posh boys boarding school. Those are the Raven Boys, because okay. the school crest is a raven. Gotcha. Um, so the one guy, the lead guy of this little gang, is looking, searching for ley lines and trying to find kind of an Arthurian once-in-future king. He's an old Welsh king, Owen Glendower. So he's searching for that with his buddies, who all have many issues. And he's the boy that she saw in her vision. Okay. So is that her true love? How's this all going to work? She's actually interested in one of his friends. They all start searching for the missing king. And so lots of shenanigans and drama and teenage angst. And the parents and the kids would just talk. It all would have been fine. Well, it wouldn't all have been fine, but, you know. So it was fun. So we'll, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not rushing to read the next four books <laughs> plus three mini books. Yeah. And it's becoming a TV series. Oh, well, apparently it'll be sent in the Central Valley of California instead of Virginia. Oh. I'm not sure why. <laughs> Easier to get to from L.A. That's true. That's Cheaper, I guess. to film that. Yeah. But it's by the same people that did the TV series and The Magicians, so. Oh, okay. And I enjoyed that, so I might, mm-hmm. I might check it out, see what they've done with it. Mm-hmm. So that one was fun. Like, I usually try to do one young adult book per summer. There wasn't a lot of romance, so there was much less angst. Mm-hmm. It was more of a kind of... Harry Potter save the world kind of thing and right. then oh we have a relationship which is not really a big deal my youngest just found Twilight I'm living it again like a year <laughs> through the eyes of a 13 year old <laughs> I think it was more fun as a 40 year old so that was the book that we got on audio to listen in the car on the road trip I much preferred reading it silently to myself yeah. uh, my older was cracking up because it's so <laughs> angsty and had she read it no. Oh, she skipped that? Yeah, yeah, she skipped it, and it didn't go over so well, so we stopped it about six hours. <laughs> we're like, we're done. We're not going to listen anymore. Yeah. But anyways, yes, it's back to being Twilight Summer. Oh, well, <laughs> that's the time for it. So then my final book that I just started is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuinston. This is another trashy romance. It is the son of the first female president, and he is now in love with the one of the princes of the British throne. Oh, so very modern, <laughs> super fun. They start off hating each other, then they get to know each other through texting. And <laughs> that's the way to do it these days. And they post on Instagram. Ooh. It's hilarious. And then they, the first son and his sister are throwing a New Year's Eve party for all like the young, famous 20-somethings. So they have to meet with a social secretary of the White House to approve the official Snapchat filter. <laughs> it's just super modern, super young. He's like 21. They're both 21. So it's very cute, very sweet. 
you know, if you like a good My Princess Come story, then this is this is the one. And you get the White House. You get all of the major English-speaking royalty. Yeah, so they have just realized they're actually, well, the prince realized it for a while. First son is kind of a doofus. It took him a while to realize what was going on. But they realized, oh, yes, we like each other. And they're planning up a meeting. But I'm only 30% of the way through the book. So clearly there will be many happen. trials and tribulations before they have their happy ending. So yes, I'm excited to see where that goes. And that is it for the book. So on the road, you want to tell us about your trip? Sure. I was really on the road. We've taken many a road trip. And this summer we realized we couldn't take a big trip. So I decided to whisk my kids off and do a California adventure. And it started off at my girlfriend's 50th birthday party in Morro Bay. She had rented a beautiful house. We had water views and it was a, I think a home away rental and just lots of food, fun conversations. We went kayaking. I loved Morro Bay. It's like no one goes to Morro Bay, but there's a lot of tourist stuff. Oh, and it was super foggy. So Morro Bay is known for this huge rock in the bay. You couldn't see it. <laughs> the last morning we were there, the sun came out. I was walking down the hall in the bathroom, uh, past the bathroom. It's just this little hall between the bathroom and the stairway. And I was like, oh my gosh, there it is. <laughs> so we had a view of the rock. And Morro Bay is maybe, is it like halfway between here and LA? It's three and a half hours. So a little, so, yeah. Yeah, about, about that, yeah. Okay. But it's just this quaint little beach town. I walked one morning from the house all the way to the rock and back. And you can go down by the water and walk along. And there's a nice little pathway in front of all the beachfront restaurants. So you can just keep going and stay on the shore. Oh, and there's otters just swimming around. So it's super yes. cute. You can see the otters in the bay. So we kind of avoided all the touristy places, but went into town a lot of thrift shops, a lot of antique shops. My yeah, husband place. loves antiquing. We found a beautiful thing that we were like, well, maybe we'll go back and get that. Super cute little town. So I really liked Morrow Bay. And then from there, I thought, what a great jumping off point for our trip. So my husband went home and I had to work all week. And so I took the girls. We went to Malibu, which I grew up in Southern California, but I'd never been to Malibu. And my girls were super excited about that. On Airbnb, I found this little one-bedroom, one-room apartment over someone's garage. It was this beautiful white stucco Spanish-style house. But we had this little apartment over the garage, and it was just all white and wood and super beachy and cool. And it was across the street from on PCH from the beach. Wow. So we could just walk across the street. And we did, like, shopping and a fancy lunch one day. And the other day, I took my younger, well, we all went. But my younger has just found roller coasters. So we went to the Santa Monica Pier, which we'd been to before. And we all like the roller coaster there. It's pretty mellow. And that satisfied that need. And then we went to a place called a Malibu Farm Pier Cafe. Let me just say, it was the most expensive breakfast I've ever had in my life. <laughs> but it was probably the best food we had besides the home cooking from family. It was so good. And on the pier, it was kind of half sunny, half foggy. There were tons of surfers out. It was delicious. So that was really fun. And then from Malibu, we went to my mom's house in Southern California. And we spent five days with cousins and my brother and his family. And we went swimming and we went thrifting. And we looked at a couple of houses in Old Town Orange, which was super fun. We went to a beach shop. So I've passed my old crafting was beading. I've passed it to my daughter. She's taken it from me, I should say. So we went to um, a beach shop there, which we'll put in the notes. It's a great little shop. I was 21, I got in a motorcycle accident, 
And I flew home to stay with my mom and she's like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, mm, I want to make jewelry. <laughs> she's like, okay, I found a bead shop. So same bead shop, same owner. Oh, wow. Really cool. It's still there. It's a little house in the middle of a parking shot of some like big shoe store. So that was fun. So the girls picked out a bunch of beads. My mom picked out a bunch of beads. I think it's called Beads Beads, right? Yes. Beads Beads and Orange. Go there. It's a great shop. A great uh, older couple own it now. They were really helpful and very sweet. Oh, I didn't mention the bead shop in Morro Bay. Great bead shop there. And they have a back area with all these succulents and cool ways to plan and all the little figurines to make your own little scenes inside your succulent bowl. It was. It was the greatest store. I couldn't buy anything succulent-wise. I could buy some figurines. And they had macrame, which I keep trying to get into. I have all this stuff and haven't done it. I made a ton when I was a kid with my mom in the studio in Tustin. Um, So I keep thinking I'll go back there, and I've got stuff, but I haven't done it yet. Um, But it was an inspiring little shop called Beads by the Bay in Morrow Bay. And then from my mom's house, we went to Pismo Beach for two days and really hung out by the pool. My mom had offered me many things for my birthday, and I decided at the last minute that we needed to stay at a deluxe fancy hotel in Pismo Beach. So I took some money and got us a nice place. We really sat by the pool. Nice. And we all were tired, and it was a nice place to read. And so we sat by the pool. We read. I read magazines. The girls read. My daughter's reading East of Eden for school. Oh, that's a big book. Could they have picked a smaller size book? (laughs) She has to read 400 pages before school Yeah, he's got a lot of books that don't need to read that one. I know. So I don't know. know. So I'm thinking that I should, I like like to read what she reads. So I haven't read it before. So um, So Pismo Beach? Pismo Beach. And then from there, my dad lives in Paso Robles. And we went to Paso. And we always go to the vineyard behind his house called Ventu. Shout out to Ventu. They love my dad and stepmom. They take care of them. And treat them like family. They have delicious pink wine right now, which we will also have some tomorrow. Nice. Um, So I brought back some pink wine, some rosé. And there's a new brewery in Paso also called California Coast Brew Company. And our friend Nika recommended it to me. She knows one of the brewers. And I met him. And we took a selfie and sent it to Nika. We went to high school together and haven't seen each other since. But have kept friends. So I found him. And we went there. And my dad had already told me about this great new brewery in Paso. And so we brought his growler and filled it up. And I had a flight of beers. And uh, it was great. I love their Belgian they have a stronger Belgian and a lighter Belgian, and the stronger Belgian was delicious. That's my favorite. So it was really fun. We did a lot of eating, drinking, driving, seeing family, seeing friends. And uh, California is a pretty amazing place. So if you're stuck doing a staycation, it's not a bad place to be. That sounds pretty good. So, yeah, California is pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed Alaska. That was that was <laughs> our trip. A little segue. Um, we went on a cruise. It was my parents' 50th anniversary, so they took us all. It was them and my four people and my sister and her family. So it was a wide range of ages. And we left from San Francisco on our Grand Princess boat, ship, whatever it is. Ship. Very large. Definitely it's definitely ship. a ship. It's very <laughs> large. But so it was fun sailing out underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. And also very easy because we didn't have to fly anywhere and then get a hotel and all that. So that was good. It was hilarious because it had been foggy, socked in fog all week. And we woke up. No, and it cleared the night before. Oh. 
It's gorgeous. Oh, you had already left. We so had left, yeah. yeah. So it totally cleared. I was like, this is not going to hold. We woke up. It's sunny all day. I was like, this is not going to hold. And it to- because a lot of times the fog will come in like 4 o'clock. Yeah. It was gorgeous. It what was time perfect. did you guys set sail? Right at sunset? 4 o'clock. Okay. So, and you could see it sitting out there, but it did not, did not get us at all. So that, that was, was really, nice. really cool. So then we were at sea for about two and a half days. Living the cruise life. The kids we did not see. They hit the teen club. <laughs> they made a bunch of new friends. We kept hearing reports. My sister and her boys were hanging out at the pool, which was in between the pizza station and the ice cream cone station <laughs> and the buffet. So she would like see my kids and report in. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I really didn't see them. Did some wine tasting with my brother-in-law. They brought out some of their more expensive wines and did a like an appetizer to matching with them. So that was fun. One of my favorite things though, I would get up, I would wake up around seven and I'd go downstairs to the 24 hour place, which had pastries in the morning. And then they would add in salads and little sandwiches in the afternoon. So I'd get my latte, I'd pick out a pastry, I'd take it back up to my room and just read on my Kindle for an hour or so until Simon woke up and they had really good, really good donuts. <laughs> so I had, I had like a custard one one day, I had a jam one, they had a Nutella donut, which was delicious, mm. my latte. So that, that kept me happy. I think you and I are some of the few people I know that really love donuts and go and have them and well, enjoy them. It was vacation <laughs> and I was hungry and I didn't want to go have a full breakfast right. all by myself. Kismo Which has a good donut place too. We went to that. It was really oh, good. Oh, nice. Some side donuts. I do love. I do love a good donut. <laughs> I do so, too. So that was love fun. Donuts. And we went to an art lecture. We played trivia. We won twice. Me and my family. It was awesome. Got a water bottle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the food. The food on the cruise was solid. I would say we had some really good things. But some things were kind of like. Nah, need to think this through a little bit more. But really impressive. I mean, there were three main restaurants, two specialty restaurants. One was a steakhouse and one was an Italian place. There was the grill. There was the ice cream place. There was the pizza place. There was a sit-down pizza place. There was the buffet. And those things all kind of had the same menus, but the three main dining rooms would change their lunch and dinner menu every day. Like eight things that were always the same kind of classics, fettuccine alfredo, Caesar salad, that kind of thing. Those were always on there. But the rest of it would change up every day, which I don't even know how they did that. Right. It's a lot of food. And that's a... Yeah. And there's no grocery stores. No. No. (laughs) So I guess they all loaded it up and, you know, fairly complicated dishes, interesting international flavors. One night there was a sorbet intermezzo. Which confused some people. (laughs) I can see that. They're like, why are we having ice cream now? I don't know. Um, But it was pretty good. And they had a lot of really good desserts. Lots of good chocolate desserts. Um, Lots of souffles. I had had quite a few good souffles. Nice. And the best part, really, I was super worried about Simon Mm -hmm. and his gluten-free vegetarian and how that would work. We had put in that he had these allergies and preferences into his profile so they were aware and when we got there and we told her where, he's like, okay, I'm going to bring the maitre d' over so he can coordinate and make sure everything works. Turns out our maitre d' is a vegan. Oh, perfect. So he was like, oh, all right, I'm going to set you up. <laughs> oh, nice. So this guy was our best friend oh. for the whole trip. If we were eating anywhere other than his dining room, he would like make sure to check in with us. Mm-hmm. He would bring us stuff if necessary. Nice. Simon, I think, was getting the family meals. <laughs> like, you know, in restaurants, the 
the people that work there have their own food that they eat. Right, right. This oh. is what I think Simon was getting. Nice. It was amazing. <laughs> oh. So he was getting all these roasted vegetables. The guy would bring him the menu for the next day so he could look at it. If there was anything that he wanted, they would try and accommodate it. Right. The guy would normally be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do for you. Right. I'm thinking <laughs> roasted pumpkin and spinach and maybe some asparagus, maybe some mushrooms. He brought in this cold, this chilled coconut soup that was incredible. I mean, it was just amazing. Nice. It was so great. Nice. And you just felt totally comfortable. He made them tacos one night. It was great. Very cool. So it was really, really good. He totally got it. And so, oh, we had tea one day. That was the other thing. Yeah, they had tea oh, also, right. like afternoon tea. Everything was going on food-wise. So the actual part of Alaska, <laughs> we did actually go to Alaska. We did not just sit on the ship and eat, although it did at times feel that way. So our first, the first thing we hit was the Tracy Arm Fjord, which we didn't get off anywhere. It's just a long fjord. So it's about a mile and a half wide. So it's these huge, you know, mountains on either side and glaciers. And there's just icebergs in the water everywhere. And this beautiful mountain scenery. And so we were supposed to go to Juneau and that didn't work out. So this was our, our backup. And usually you do either Tracy Arm or Glacier Bay. You don't get both, but we got both. And we were there kind of at dusk. So the lighting was amazing. Oh, so it was really cool. And then the next day we hit Skagway. And all of these places are kind of in the lower part of Alaska where it's right next to Canada. So Skagway was the jumping off point for miners going to the Klondike Gold Rush, or one of them. So okay. they would stop, start there, take the pass over the mountains, and go look for gold, and generally not find any, but you know, <laughs> as, as happens. So someone eventually built a train over the pass, and that was the first excursion that we did. And it's, I think it's a, some engineering wonder of the world, like the Eiffel Tower. Mm -hmm. like it's in that same, officially in that same group, because they built it in two years, basically up a rock cliff. I mean, <laughs> it was pretty ridiculous. We're at times looking down off the edge of nothing. So that was fun. And my older son is a train guy, has been forever, mm -hmm. still is. So he really liked that. And it was fun. The cars are beautiful old cars that they've restored. So that was our morning. And then we came back into town and had lunch at a place that had a Brussels sprout rice bowl. Ooh. Gluten free and vegetarian. We're like, all right, we're going here. They that also claimed great. they claim to have the best margaritas in town. <laughs> It was a little chilly for a margarita. <laughs> didn't feel quite right. I had a glass of Riesling, I think, which is lovely. Yeah. And I had a smoked salmon puff pastry. So that was really good. Oh, and Dash had a Reuben, but with reindeer sausage. He loves a good Reuben. He said it was a little weird trying to eat the sausage and the bread was kind of crunchy, but the taste was, was good and it's always fun to try local delicacies. I don't know <laughs> if that's more of a tourist local delicacy. Right. Right. But it was fun. And then they had a train store for my son, and they had a yarn store for me. It's the perfect place. Yes. Well, <laughs> so the thing I wanted to do, this was Aurora Yarns, and I had looked them up beforehand, and I had seen them mentioned before, and they have Kriviet. Kriviet? I think is how you pronounce it. Which is the hair of the musk ox, which okay. I think wanders around, and its undercoat gets caught on branches, and okay. people go out and, and pick it up. It. Wow. And make yarn out of it and it is the softest warmest Ooh. yarn in the world Ooh. i don't know if in the world but definitely up there so it's very labor intensive beautiful and amazing all right and you have some for us to well it's all for me <laughs> it's all i get to touch it you can touch it Ooh, pretty color it's like what raspberry it is exactly raspberry it is 
See, I want that job. What's <laughs> the so name? Color. I love color. It's really soft. It's so soft. And the shop was really great. The lady I spoke with, like all of the yarns in there were dyed in Alaska. I think this one might be dyed in Canada, but what are you going to do with it? Really nice. I think a cowl, because it's so soft, it needs to be right, right around your face. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so they be. had a whole bunch of choices, um, different colors. Beautiful. And then I also... They had other soft yarns, so I got Arctic Fox, so it's Fox, and Merino, and Silk. So I'll probably make a cowl with that one too, but they had, she had a bunch of samples so you could see what it looked like knit up, and this one knits up pretty fluffy, which I thought was interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just the skein, is this a yep. skein? Yep, it is. It's so much fluffier than the, the ox. Yeah, so although that one's got some fluff on it too, so I'm yeah, excited to work with those, um, and that was kind of my special Alaska souvenir. Very cool. Although that was not the only yarn that I bought. They had this one, which is mostly not neon pink, magenta, and then it's got some yellow and green. It's really pretty. part of it, and the colorway is fireweed, ah. which was um, this really beautiful flower that we had just spent the morning looking at from the train. Oh, cool! So I was really. Excited. The yarn is, I think it's just a merino nylon blend, but I love the flower. So this I love how nice... the color travels through the like yeah. it's light pink and then it's bright pink. and Yeah, so it definitely green, reminds me green. of the flower. Very cool. So I'm excited to work with that. And then I found another one, Ooh. which is a worsted weight and it's basically a double skein because it's 560 yards. So that is a lot. Um, so I can do a really huge bulky shelf. And I don't think it's hand spun, although it kind of looks like that. Um, but it's pinks and grays. It's really pretty. So and that one, I, was, I wasn't going to get it. And I was like, you know what? I really like it. I'm just going to get it because I'm, I'm here. And it, and it is a local Alaska dyer. So. I like all their labels. Yeah. I like, you know, vacation yarn is super yeah, fun. Yeah, it's a good thing that we got vacation beads. Oh, so in the afternoon, we went to the sled dog camp. Oh. Which was so fun. So these are dogs that are training for the Iditarod. This is their summer training ground. So we went um, and team of 16 dogs took six of us in this cart around a dirt track a couple times. Um, and then we went down and we had a little lesson on the history of the Iditarod and what's going on now and how the dogs got to be the way they are because they're not the big fluffy huskies, huskies. that you think of. They're Alaskan huskies which are bred for doing these races. So they're not as fluffy. They're super muscular, super fast. They love to run. Like they did not want to stop. <laughs> um, is that a good thing? <laughs> it, I mean, if you're going to run a thousand miles in the winter, yeah, it's a good thing. So that was really interesting. And then we got to meet the puppies and hold the puppies. And they were so cute. And they had this one called Butterscotch who was little, like six weeks old and this Beautiful, you know, butterscotch color. It was super fun. And then you could see them playing around, and so that was really fun. <laughs> nice. Um, and then we went back to the ship, and the next day we were cruising through Glacier Bay. We saw, I think, three glaciers, and we spent an hour at the Marjorie Glacier, which was amazing. And when he said that we were going to be there for an hour, we, like, spent a half hour with the glacier on the port side, and we'd spin around and <laughs> spend a half hour on the starboard. I was like, oh, it's a really long time. Like, what are we going to do? And at the end of it, I did not want to leave. Yeah. Like, why? We can't leave yet. So that one comes right down to the water, which most of the glaciers don't do anymore. And so it does, it's known for calving where the ice falls off. So right. that was really cool. We saw a bunch of, bunch of times that happened. Right. And it was just beautiful. And then Ketchikan is really close to Canada. And that was another kind of gold rush port. It is still the seventh largest city in Alaska and was previously known for lumber and salmon. 
and is now tourism and salmon. I think it's still the salmon capital of the world. So we did this really nice hike in the morning and it was a beautiful sunny day, which since it's in a rainforest, is kind of unusual. So we were glad of that. A really nice hike up the side of a mountain, right outside of town. Um, you could overlook all the, the bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had lunch in town and Simon found a gluten-free uh, a shop, a crepe shop that had gluten-free crepes. Oh, nice. So we That's stopped good. in there and it was actually really good. Um, and I had smoked salmon again, so can't have enough. <laughs> so, got my thing. And then we did a flight seeing plane trip to the Misty Fjords National Monument, which is about 22 miles east of the city. And it's all these glacier fjords that it's protected wilderness, so it's just beautiful. And you fly over it, and you can see them. And there's all these waterfalls and mountain lakes. And you had and a then, sunny day. And we had a sunny day, so it was extra. Like if it had been raining or even just foggy, it would not have been, right. I don't think, nearly as interesting. And then he landed on um, a bay, and we got to get out and stand on the pontoon mm-hmm. for a few minutes and mm-hmm. kind of enjoy the silence, because there's nothing there. Right. And then get back in and fly off, and and that was... How was that? Closing off and landing in the water. The landing was the smoothest landing ever. Oh, so nice. smooth. Oh my gosh. Never had anything that smooth. No SFO was, landing? No. <laughs> It was a little bit rougher when we came back to the airport because the water there was choppier, mm-hmm. but the lo- the water in the fjord was just oh, I bet. like glass, so right. it was oh, nice. super, I was like, oh, that was great, <laughs> and taking off was fine, so that was cool. He was really knowledgeable and shared a lot of the history of the area. They're formed from glaciers, so it's kind of like being in Yosemite Valley, mm-hmm. except with water. Okay. So that kind of granite, right, right. granite rock, yeah, so it was really cool. Then we were back on the boat for a day, and then went to Victoria in Canada, which was really cute. We thought about just walking around downtown, but my mom and boys aren't going to go shopping, really. Right. So we got an excursion to a fort and lighthouse that have been closed. They're now a state park, I think. So that was cool. And the park, the fort was used during World War One and World War Two, so they had historic setups. And the lighthouse, you know, I don't know what it is about lighthouses. They're always fun to visit. <laughs> So that was nice. And then we went to the British Columbia Museum, which was amazing. They had a natural history section with like mammoths and tigers and all the animals. And then upstairs they had people history section. And half of it, or more than half, I think, really was the first people's history. So they had totems and all these other carvings and embroidery and weaving and their houses and their history and how it all changed and um, they had a big thing on the languages. There's 60% of the indigenous languages are present in British Columbia, mm-hmm. like the Canadian ones, which is huge. So, so much variety. My husband is a language guy, so he loved just hanging out there and listening to all the examples they had. Mm-hmm. So that was really fun. Yep. And then that was it. So we got back on the boat and then we came home and our last day was sunny and warm and everyone was hanging out by the pool and they had movies by the pool and margaritas and <laughs> finally felt good to have a margarita it was good yeah <laughs> yep oh and in ketchikan they had another yarn store which i did oh. not know <laughs> my sister found it and texted me and it was right downtown so i went to that as well and it was the fabulous fiber arts and they actually had some embroidery and some other crafty things i think ketchikan is a little bit more of a year-round town mm-hmm. so they had more kind of regular workhorse yarns and not just local yarns. So I got um, a mini skein set, Fisher Girl yarns from Ketchikan, and the colorway is sockeye spawning. So there's like a burgundy <laughs> and a dark great. pink and an orange and an oatmeal and a light pink, and they're all kind of dusky colors. Uh-huh. 
The other one I got, Robin's Nest, Fiber Arts and Design, hand-dyed yarns from Ketchikan. And this one is kind of a tweedy, multiple blues um, with little black tweed specks. So mm -hmm. I have no idea what I'm going to do with that, but I just really liked it. It's really pretty. So, yeah. So I bought a lot of yarn. <laughs> As you should have. But it's Alaska, right? That makes sense. Yeah, well, no, I've, what a great, I mean, I think that's one of the cool things about having a thing that you love that you can pick up along the way or wherever you go, like a cookbook or beads yep. or yarn, something that isn't just a bottle with shells in it that says <laughs> Malibu on it <laughs> that your kids are going to like for a day. Well, those are good too. <laughs> but yeah, and then I'll get to knit with it and I'll have a thing that I can keep or give away and it'll be a nice memory. That is all the on the road, so bingo. So bingo, going strong. Last date for entries is September 2nd, 2019. To enter, you need to post a picture of your bingo card with a completed row on Instagram with the hashtag CCRR Summer Bingo 2019. And it's also a good idea if you're not sure that we're following you to tag us, Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, just to make sure that we see that. Been seeing a couple more. Entry, well, I don't know if anybody else has finished. I'll have to double check that. I know people are working. My friend Tanara posted she was making mead, I think, Ooh. Um, which sounded really good. And someone suggested that if she gave it away as a gift, she could finish a square. So I'm you know, available <laughs> if you want to meet and have some mead. I can, I can do that. You don't have to post pictures of your finished objects or you know what you're doing, but we do love seeing them. Just make sure they're tagged. And if you need a copy, you can email me or email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com and I will send you a PDF to print out. All right. You've got a bunch of squares there. Do you have, well, a big so I have some I have some question marks okay. for things. Well, uh, yes. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> More qu I just, I penciled in some stuff that it might have been a stretch, but I almost have a bingo. That looks like a bingo. I think I double dipped on something. You can do that. Can I? So, yeah. Um, something authored by a person of color. My... Pakistan girl book or Taliban girl. Yep. Cook on the grill. I took my daughter camping for her 13th birthday and we made we could, the fire pits these days are so tall and high. So the grill sits really high above the fire and I really oh. had to keep rearranging my fire to get it to cook. Yep. So these were low and slow vegetable right. kebabs <laughs> and they were the best vegetable kebabs I've ever made. So there are those. And then um, the award winner, <laughs> I was looking the other day and my my book, A Different Kind of Daughter, also won the Amazon Best, there uh, an Amazon Best Perfect. award. That totally counts. Um, make a gift. I made my succulent pot for nice. my friend, and it said, read a used or borrowed book, and all my books are used or oh, borrowed perfect. books. You totally had a bingo. So I had a bingo. Nice. But then to, I, I was having fun looking at this this morning. I've been going through my garage and trying to get rid of things because I like to keep everything, but I'm not a hoarder, as my <laughs> husband likes to say. But I found in my grandmother's stuff an old uh, 1930s book, Poems for Boys and Girls. So oh. I've been reading the poems, and they're really silly, and some of them are definitely dated and <laughs> inappropriate. No, not too bad, but they're pretty cute. So I think that was kind of fun to look through that. So that's also an alternate format. It is also, I, that's why I was wondering if I could double dip. Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I've been reading magazines. Before you were born. Yes. And the alternate format. Yep. Yes. Okay. I'm reading magazines all summer, read a book about food, made my romesco sauce. You're doing very well. And I'm doing all right. Just and make I'm sure still, you post it. I've got two weeks left. So it's, it's, No. Yeah. It's like a month. For me, no, the, the, I go back oh, right. and the Catholic school. I don't know about yours, but really they go sad. back on the 14th, so it's two weeks. 
It's this week. So your free time will be used up. The official date. You will still technically have time to enter, but you will not. I will. Oh, right, right, right. Actually, that time. I have two weeks before my time is up. Because once I'm back to work, though, I will still read and listen to books and cook. The crap. My my bit of crafting kind of comes to an end. Yeah. Yep. So I read the book written before I was born. That was the Tenant of Wildfield Hall. So Mm -hmm. I think no, eighteen hundreds is yeah before I was born. (laughs) And I made peanut sauce. I didn't get a ton done, so I need, there's a couple, I'm getting close to finishing a couple more rows, so I need to. It's a good guide for what you should do with your spare time. Oh, I did. I got a, I got a diagonal thing. Oh, there, oh, there you go. go. All right. I'm getting there. Yeah. It just kind of, it's been fun. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. No, I like it. And and um, a reading teacher at our elementary school, and I sent home a summer reading bingo. So it reminded me of that. So I was very, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, oh I have to print this out. <laughs> yes. So I'm all about the summer bingo. It's a great way. I'd like to go out and have drinks and play bingo, too. <laughs> that would that be another fun. fun thing for us to do. So many things. Maybe next year we'll have that be a, be a square. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that is about it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining it's me. Been it's been a pleasure. It's been super fun. <laughs> and make sure you do something you love every day. Goodbye. I am Monica. And I am Kelly. <laughs> Sorry, that totally threw me. <laughs> Little monkey wrench and things. I always screw things up. (laughs) Show notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram as craftcookreadrepeat or courtneysf. That's C O R T N E Y S F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M A G D O N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.